Hello, beloved. Welcome to this evening message where we are looking at the truth in the sense of the truth under attack. Now, this is part six, and in part six, we're going to look at the fact that we are in a war for the truth. Now, last time, if you can remember, I said that it's a sad thing that the postmodern view of the truth has basically infiltrated the church in the form of, let's call it the emerging church movement. There is a war raging in the church today. And the heartbreaking thing is, the truth is being the target of this attack. And that's heartbreaking. So let's continue with this uh, topic, because I believe it's important for us to understand that the truth, and and, uh, when I talk about the truth, we're talking about the truth, which is God's word. Now, Jesus said uh, that thy word is the truth. So in that sense, we are seeking for truth and we find truth in God's word. Okay, before we continue, let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name and thank you for your word. And thank you that your word is truth, that Jesus Christ is truth. And that we can know the truth, and the truth shall set us free. So I want to pray, Father, as we are involved in this this battle, this war, if I may, uh, for the truth, I pray that you will enable us to, to understand your word, understand what's happening in the world, so that at the end of the day, Father, we'll be able to stand on the truth no matter what. So I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, now, when we look at the emerging church, it's interesting that the emerging church, and this is how this attack against the truth, um, how can I say, manifests itself. Nah? The, the basic thing is that the emerging church promotes dialogue instead of standing just solely on the truth of Scripture. So they will rather listen to people's opinions than to search for the truth of God's Word. Now, we can see this in their form of communication. Let's use this example. Let me give you an example. The emerging church encourages dialogue with cults, with false religions, um, and they do it with, how can I say, with, with, with boldness. But then what is neglected is the the proclamation of the truth of Scripture. But they get involved in these dialogues with cults and, and false religions. When in fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us from verse 14, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, beloved, the way it works is basically, or let me say it, uh, the way it works in the emerging church movement is that they will ask the question, 
what do you think? Let's say they're in, a, in communication with a cult group. They would say, listen, we know that there are things that we disagree on, but let's talk about it. Not let's go to the scriptures and find out what the truth is, but let's talk about it. Let's have a dialogue. And at the end of the day, they come up with a compromise. And if you come up with a compromise, you will always, um, how can I say, it will always be against the truth. It is never that a compromise decision will embrace the truth. It just doesn't work like that. You see, so uh, what they will do is when they talk about a text, for example, is they, they will look at the text and say, all right, so what do you get out of the text? And the, the cult group or whatever group or other religion, um, they don't even use the scriptures, but if they, uh, it's involved with a, get involved with the cult group, they will say, so what do you think of what is being said? And with uh, false religions, it is just, oh, we've got certain things in common. For example, the evangelical movement, for example, today, they feel that they can work together, and I'm putting in inverted commas, work together with the Catholic Church on issues like, for example, abortion. Because the Catholic Church is against abortion. Right? But there's other groups as well that are against abortion. And now the evangelical world, all of a sudden, they feel that, okay, because we agree on abortion, we can work together. We can have unity with one another. When in fact, that's not how it works. If we agree with certain people about certain things, it doesn't mean that we agree on the truth of Scripture. Yes, obviously, this, the, the Bible is very clear that we need to speak out on behalf of those who cannot speak for themselves. No? We, we need to be the guardians of the children that are being slaughtered, that are being murdered by, by their own mothers. We, we need to be um, a prophetic voice into the world. And yes, we can say that, let's say, if the Catholic Church or other organizations or other religions agree with that, we can stand up with them against, uh, for example, abortion. But it doesn't mean that we can be yoked with them. It doesn't mean that we can now all of a sudden work together on other things because, beloved, we have to stand on sound doctrine. That's what we need to do. And it's interesting how the emerging church now is... They not only try to replace the preaching of the Bible like we spoke about last time. They want, how can I say, anybody's opinion to, to basically take center stage. But when we talk to other religions, when we talk to cult groups or whatever, we have to stand on the truth. 1 Corinthians 1 verse, 20, uh, verse 18 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews 
request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. What a passage of Scripture, beloved. So we preach Christ. I mean, to to people who are into philosophy and into all these kind of things, it's foolishness. It just means nothing to them. So normally what happens is for us to be able to to be ecumenically um, connected now through the ecumenical uh, movement where, where different groups are now uniting more and more, we have to, how can I say, get rid of something to enable us to have union with a cult group or with another religion or that kind of thing. And what is it that we are going to get rid of? We have to get rid of the truth, objective truth, truth that is always true. We have to get rid of it because other religions and cult groups do not believe the scriptures. They do not believe the Bible is true. They don't embrace the, the, the doctrines that is in the Bible, the truth that is in scripture. They don't accept it. So at the end of the day, for us to be able to then work with these groups is we have to just Get rid of the truth of Scripture. And that's exactly what the emerging church is doing. The emerging church basically, how can I say, takes the truth, throws it one side so that they can have union and dialogue with cult groups and with other religions. And that's sad. That's really, really sad. Where in fact the church is the ground and the pillar of truth now. God decided that the church would be the place where the truth would stand. You know, as a the church is the ground and the pillar, it keeps the truth up in the air and it is it makes the truth solid in wherever. So when we go and preach the, the gospel, we always stick to the same truth that is deeply grounded. And then we uplift the truth. For everyone to see and everyone to hear. And those who accept it, fine. Those who do not want to accept that or accept the truth, we just can't be yoked with them. We can't. But the emerging church movement says, no, 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 no. No, we can dialogue with these people. We can dialogue with anyone. I agree we can dialogue. But it can never ever be, um, how can I say, at, at the cost of the truth, that we throw the truth one side so that we can have dialogue. No, that's not how it works. We need to come with the truth. We need to place the truth on the table. And if those groups that want to dialogue with us, if they want to, if they agree to submit to the truth, then we can at least we we will be able to kind of agree on certain things. All right. But there's another thing that the the emerging church actually wants to replace pastors. Especially, you know, pastors that are in local churches. And they want to replace them by pastors, in inverted commas, who are storytellers. And more of just a commentator rather than a pastor. 
Because one of the things about a pastor is a pastor must be apt to teach. Because a pastor is an elder. Né? An elder must be apt to teach, which means that pastors must be able to teach what? Teach the truth of, word, of God's word. Teach the scriptures. Now the scriptures teaches that the pastor is a gift to the church. Basically to equip believers. In Ephesians 4 verse 8 to 12 we read, Therefore he says, when he ascended on high... He led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Now he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And then it says, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So you see, pastors are a gift to the church. Okay? And, and Scripture teaches us that pastors has a, um, have a, a teaching and shepherding and leadership function within the local church. Now we read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, and 1 Peter 5, 1 to 4 about an elder, and the qualifications of an elder, and what, what an elder is supposed to be. And that's the qualifications. Nobody can change it. In 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 4, let's read that quickly. Um, it says that the elders who are among you I exhort, uh, I who am a fellow elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. This is the uh, Apostle Peter speaking. Eh? And also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Verse 2. He said, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory uh, that does not fade away. So, elders, that is pastors, now the, the elder, and, and pastor is always an elder, right? But all elders are not pastors. So, uh, and, but he speaks about the elders. He says, shepherd the flock of God. Okay? Uh, oversee the ministry. Be examples to the flock. These are the functions of the elder or the pastor of the church. And, and now here comes the emerging church. They said, no, no, we don't want elders. What we want is or shepherds or uh, pastors. No, what we want is we want storytellers and commentators. We want uh, people that can connect to the, to the people and tell the uh, most interesting uh, fables and tales and stuff from the pulpit. Not to take God's word and to open up God's word piece by piece and word by word, or verse by verse and, and chapter by chapter. All right. But then the emerging church is, is also trying to do something else. And that is to replace, let's say the words, thus saith the Lord. You know, in the sense of scripture says, this is what the Lord is saying. This is what God is saying. And what they do is they are trying to replace it with, what do you think? We read in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware 
lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In the merging church, when you go to a, a small group, you know, if that movement is within a local church, you go to a small group Bible study, and the idea then is to ask, so what do you think? What do you, what do you think of the passage? What, what is it saying to you? And not, what does the scripture say so that we can change our attitudes or we can change our way of living or we can change what we believe to come in line with scripture? No, 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 no. They say, what do you think? And they will go around the, uh, the small group now or this Bible study group and get everybody's ideas of what do they think about the text. And then they would make a summary of what the people believe. But that's not what the text says. Maybe you'll get one or two people, maybe, that uh, would actually give something that is from the text. The rest will just think about their own things. I remember how I would, uh, in, in our Bible studies, I would say to the to the members of the church that comes to the Bible study, I said, don't go and find the answer somewhere else. It's in the text. So the question I'm asking, the question, uh, the answer is in the text, because the text needs to guide us into what we believe and what we do not believe. Now, the problem with, you know, this this kind of Bible study where you ask the people, so what do you think? The root of this kind of Bible study is in postmodernism. Um, and in postmodernism, the truth cannot be fully known. Each one has their own truth. You have your truth, and I have my truth. So, in the emerging church, in the Bible studies, you will hear the people say, this verse means to me uh, so and so and so. Uh, and in a sense, I want to say, who cares what the verse means to you? We need to find the, the, the meaning of the verse within the context of Scripture. And then when we apply it, obviously we apply the principle to our lives. That's the only time we can say, oh, okay, so this is the way we apply this verse in our in our life, in our existence, in our world now. Now you see, this is a, a postmodern kind of concept. This the verse means to me so and so and so and so. Because the meaning of the text is not drawn from what the verse means to me. That's what they do. Instead of what the verse means in its context, we need to always look at the verse or a passage of Scripture that I'm going to work on or have a Bible study on. What does it mean within its own context? And then also in the context of the chapter, in the context of the book, and then in the context of the whole of Scripture. But not what does it mean to me? And, and that's where you start. But that's the problem with the emerging church. They start with what does it mean to me? See, the war against the church and the truth, I believe, has been raging for a while now. And it's through the emerging church movement. I praise God, and we should praise God, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Beloved, we, we, we need to continue to stand on sola scriptura. That means scripture alone. One of the five solas of the Reformation. We need to hold fast to the all-sufficiency of Scripture in all matters of faith and practice. 
because scripture is crucial when it comes to us learning the truth, understanding the truth, knowing what the truth is. Now, the rise of postmodernism now, through the emerging church basically replaced the truth with a bunch of uncertainty in people. And, and it's with regards to some fundamental truths in Scripture, some important biblical doctrines. For example, um, this whole emerging church and the, how can I say, the thing that truth is relative and uh, the uncertainty that has been created it's about things like the inspiration of Scripture, the authority of the Word of God, uh, when it comes to the understanding of the Gospel, uh, our way of, sal- of the biblical way of salvation, uh, assurance of salvation. It, it influences the understanding of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the exclusivity of Christ, yeah, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that no one can come to the Father except through Him, and that Jesus is exclusive. He's the only one through whom we can be saved. Obviously, then, also the place of the Bible in our Christian walk. Is the Bible all sufficient in this postmodern world that we are living in, where we have computers and AI and all these kind of things? Is the Bible still relevant to our Christian walk? Actually, to our daily walk, is it, is it still relevant? So what is the place of the Bible in our Christian life? These are all things that are attacked by the emerging church, the understanding of the truth and the understanding of Scripture. And then also the necessity of sound doctrine. And that sound doctrine is the basis of sound living. But the problem is the emerging church replaced the truth with uncertainty because they say, we don't know. How can we know if the truth is relative? If each one has their own truth, if I have my truth and you have your truth, then the truth is being replaced by uncertainty. And then if we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, people will say that are involved in the emerging church movement, they will say, but how can the Bible be inspired? It's just people's words. How can... The, the scripture have authority over me now. It's an old age, old document, man. It's a historic thing. How can it be talking to me now in this modern world that we're living in? Uh, when it comes to the gospel, the emerging church would very easily say, but the gospel is ah, it's foolishness. It's, it's, uh, all roads lead to Rome uh, eventually. We will all make it to heaven at the end of the day because that's what people want to say. A loving God will not send people to hell. A loving God will take everybody to heaven and and if he's all loving, he will take all people to heaven. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what your path is to get to heaven, everybody will go to heaven. And that's what the emerging church will say. Where in fact, no, the Bible is clear. We, we should have a biblical understanding of the gospel. We need to have a biblical understanding of Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. We need to have a biblical understanding of how do we get saved. We need to have a biblical understanding of the fact that Jesus Christ uh, is Lord. Nah? That he's the only way of salvation, the only means through which we can be saved. Faith in Christ Jesus alone. And, and 
if the emerging church comes up with your truth and my truth and whatever, then you eventually do not have the Bible as a basis for Christian living because you have to figure it out yourself or you can listen to other people. But the Bible is not the basis where, in fact, the Scripture teaches us that the Bible is the basis of our Christian life, the foundation from where we live and build our lives. And if you want to really live a sound life, uh, if you want to live the kind of life that is pleasing to God, you've got to have sound doctrine, sound understanding of the doctrines of Scripture, doctrine of God, doctrine of man, doctrine of sin, doctrine of the devil, doctrine of Christ, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, doctrine of soteriology, now um, salvation, um, ecclesiology, when we talk about the church, uh, doctrine about the church. You need to have all those doctrines, and you, those doctrines need to be solid in your life. But the emerging church comes along and says, no, all of that is relative. There's no such thing as ultimate truth, no, objective truth. We get it in God's word, and we follow what God says in his word. No, they say, no, 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 everybody's got their own truth. So, beloved, we need to really make sure, really, really make sure that our basis is the Word of God, the truth, and that it's objective and that we follow that same truth at all times because that truth never changes. We change. Uh, the world around us change, but God's truth will never change. It always stays the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right. So is there a battle for the truth today? For sure. Is there a war on for the truth? For sure. Is the truth under attack? That's for sure. And unfortunately, it's also under attack within the church itself. Beloved, and what we need to do as believers, as born-again believers, is to make sure that everything we do or say or believe or search is based on the truth of God's Word. Objective truth that never changes. And we always, when we're in conversation with one another, we always have to go back to the truth of God's word and then change my understanding or my belief in accordance to God's word. And not change God's word because God's word is saying something that, than what I believe. We have to conform to God's word. God's word doesn't have to conform to us. All right. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much we can come to you again. And thank you that we have your word that is the truth. And thank you that the truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. And thank you that no one comes to you as the living Almighty God except through Jesus Christ. And thank you, Father, that we can know the truth and the truth can set us free. And thank you, Father, that your, your truth, the truth that is in Scripture, is unchanging. Absolutely unchanging. Always stays the same. Because you stay the same. And Father, thank you so much. And I pray that you will enable us to embrace the truth of your word, to stick to it, to stand on it, and to continue in it every single day of our lives, we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And may he give you his peace. God willing, until next time, bye-bye.